1: or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
0: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is The Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode 81 of The Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Stephanie Owen, Stephanie is the Director of Education with the National Wood Flooring Association, or NWFA, where she has led that organization's efforts in implementing digital credentials, certainly a hot topic right now across the lifelong learning landscape. Before we get to that interview, though, we want to take a moment to thank Castle, our sponsor, for the second quarter of 2017. Castle is an accomplished full-services certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. With an expert team of testing and instructional design professionals and a 30-year history of excellence in its field, Castle understands what it takes to develop and deliver quality learning and certification programs. To find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions, go to leadinglearning.com slash castle. We also want to note that recordings from our recent Learning Technology Design, or LTD, virtual conference are available. We created LTD specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, and you can get access to all of the great content delivered at the live online event by going to ltd.leadinglearning.com. For this episode's resource,
1: we want to highlight our complimentary Association Learning Plus Technology Report. This report is based on a survey of a broad range of trade and professional associations, and it provides the most comprehensive insights currently available on the use of technology to enhance and enable education in the association sector. And you can get access to that for free by going to tagoras.com slash learn tech.
0: And of course, we cover a a lot of ground in that report. We look at uh, learning and technology quite broadly. But one specific area we touch on is the use of micro-credentials like digital badges. And I believe that was really the, the big focus of your conversation with Stephanie Owen.
1: Absolutely. We talk a lot about what they're doing with uh, digital badges at NWFA. We also talk about how they um, rolled out those uh, digital badges along with NWFA University, and sort of talk about the driving factors behind it, what they've learned so far in terms of the rollout and implementation. And I think Stephanie and NWFA are at a really exciting point right now to, to talk and share what they've learned because you know they have a lot of the planning and the decision-making behind them but they're kind of and, and they've gotten the initial rollout out there but they're still definitely in that sort of learning moment of you know what what can we do to um, continue to promote the adoption of these badges so it's a it was a great conversation and I think there'll be a lot that folks who are maybe interested in getting into digital badges um, will find of use in the conversation.
0: Well, and we've known Stephanie for a while. She's a, a very dedicated learning professional, somebody who takes it extremely seriously. And we've, we've highlighted some things that NWFA has done before, uh, particularly with the use of social proof. And we'll, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. But they're always interesting. Stephanie's always interesting. So really looking forward to hearing this interview. So without further ado, let's roll it.
1: Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm joined by Stephanie Owen. Stephanie is the Director of Education with the National Wood Flooring Association in St. Louis, Missouri, and she's been responsible for developing and implementing in WFA University and in WFA's use of digital credentials. So Stephanie, thanks first and foremost for taking time for the Leading Learning Podcast. My pleasure. And now, since I only offered a a pretty brief uh, introduction and and overview, would you start off by saying a little bit more about the National Wood Flooring Association and and your role there?
2: Sure. NWFA is a trade organization or association that represents the entire supply chain uh, for the wood flooring industry. It includes manufacturers, distributors, retailers, contractors, inspectors, and, and really much more. Um, our mission for the, uh, the association is to promote the uses of wood and then also to provide members with education and training. My role here um, in, in Inception when I started was to develop the online university, and um, that launched in July of 2016 very successfully. And since my role is kind of even just in terms of managing the university, but it's also developed into kind of a strategic role, to address uh, the labor shortage and promote wood flooring as a viable career path. So uh, it's been fun, and uh, looking forward to seeing where this new direction takes us.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot is happening there. So as you mentioned, the the NWFA University kicked off in July of 2016. And um, I, I'm interested, um, before we kind of dig in more around digital badges, which I'm, I'm really interested in, but... Um, uh, you know, My understanding is that you kind of coupled that rollout of digital badges with sort of a, a restructuring of your education and, and certification, which was part of that launch of NWFA University. And so could you talk a little bit about what sparked the idea for that restructuring in the first place and then what that restructuring has, has looked like, what changes you have made?
2: Sure. Uh, upon arrival um, here, uh, we had a certification program that had been in existence for um, probably 20-plus years, and it was structured to award certification by years of attendance, attending a hands-on school, and completing an online test. Uh, we also had what was labeled a degree program that awarded credits for continuing education as well as service to the industry. So uh, after kind of doing some research and learning more about the industry, in and, and particular our Association as a whole, I felt the approach with certification and degrees really muddied the waters between education and service. Mm -hmm. Um, We also thought that we were doing a great job of educating our own, but we didn't have any efforts to attract any new learners. Um, Trade organizations, kind of um, in terms of us as well, have a kind of a unique driver for certification that, and that driver. Is tends to be the consumer. Mm. Uh, if the consumer is aware of our certification programs and demand them on the job, the need for certifications increases, thus kind of attracting that newer learner and um, newer generation. So this is kind of where the entire restructuring kind of came to a head. Um, we had to do a better job of attracting new learners um, to create a clear... An attractive path for those learnings and to drive consumer awareness that demanded that certification. Um, So restructuring kind of started with the introduction of the university, uh, then changing career paths and kind of how the university kind of flew into the career paths, um, as well as using digital badges. So those kind of all came together as we um, started to see where the needs are to, to restructure.
1: And, and am I right in understanding that part of kind of that restructuring too is like sort of is breaking apart these longer certifications into more incremental steps that they can in terms of like digital badges that they can use to to demonstrate a specific skill even before they've uh, achieved a fuller blown um, certification
2: yeah yeah so again traditionally the the requirements have been um, just the uh, years of experience attending one hands-on school, which was typically a five-day school. Um, and then they had to take like a 75-point um, question, multiple choice question and they were certified. So with the restructuring and the introducing of the badges, we broke down those certifications into actually 12 micro-credentials so they could earn them as they kind of go. And what uniquely happened organically really in that process is that we were actually able to reach, um, a, a new member segment. So the certification traditionally historically for NWFA has really been, um, kind of siloed to contractors. And that's kind of been our bread and butter. Hey, we certify installation, we certify scene and finish. Um, but with the onset of the badges, what we've seen is that, um, say we have, uh, wood product knowledge in there, that actually is is can be applicable to all of our member um, types. So manufacturers, a distributor, mm-hmm. they all need to know kind of about the wood product knowledge. So it's really opened, kind of um, penetrated all of our member segments in terms of education um, that we really, again, organically didn't realize that that was going to happen initially. So yeah, we... Kind of so, long, long answer is that we broke that down. And then really, we able to see kind of that education sprout.
1: Yeah, that's great to see that there were new applications. And like you said, that it just happened relatively organically without a lot of extra effort. Right. Um, and I think tied to that question of kind of maybe extra effort or not, I mean, talk a little bit about um, whether or not you had to develop new education for the rollout of of NWFA University, or if you mostly just were able to kind of repurpose and restructure what you already had, um, versus you know how much new stuff you created.
2: Yeah, so. We
1: began with just
2: kind of sitting and um sitting in our five day schools and saying, "Okay, what can we use that we can um, you know restructure and put into an online university?" Um we were able to use a lot of that content um, that we presented in a live format. Obviously, we can't do the hands-on pieces, but we could still provide those in a video format or um, you know in a pictures. Um, step-by-step directions. But so yes, we used our existing education, but we had to, what we kind of noticed when we did that is that we kind of had um, a consistency uh, and a structure issue in our own schools. Um, Building these out and kind of going um, from point A to point B uh, through these, you know, using Storyline and some of these other formats to build these online courses, we noticed that Maybe one particular segment said one thing, and another didn't really match our guidelines. So we really had to do some rewriting and restructuring, um, so that the flow made sense um, in an online portion in a school. And you know, it like in a in a in a live school, you know, you t- you tend to take rabbit trails. Um, when a student may ask a question, right. <laughs> kind of go this way or go that way. Um, obviously, we can't we can't do that with online. So we really had to restructure and kind of think about how that happened. But um, using our existing content was really a great start for us to kind of um, give us a, a platform to jump off on. Um, and obviously, we had to fill a lot of holes as we went.
1: Well, great. It sounds like great that you were able to, to reuse a lot, but that um, as part of that restructuring and repurposing, you were able to improve it and, and find some of those gaps and fill it in and and raise the, the quality overall, which is a, another great side benefit of, of moving to the, the university. And so... Um, you know, I know it can be easy to misuse terms, but if um, if if I'm understanding right that the digital badges that you're now offering um, that you're you're kind of using them both as micro credentials, um, you know, so that you're using them to recognize these building block elements of the fuller blown certifications. And you're also using the digital badges as a new way to represent those fuller Uh, blown certifications as a whole. So, so first I'll just double check. Is that correct? That you're kind of using the the badges for sort of smaller things and sort of the larger certification as well?
2: Yes, absolutely. Right
1: on. And so, and so then these are basically stackable credentials where people could sort of earn the building block, uh, sort of the little domain specific areas, and then they could, that could stack up to the fuller blown credential. Correct, yes yeah, that's great, and so at, at this point though, where where are you in, in in allowing people to get to that fuller blown credential? Is that already possible? Or are you sort of still in the process of rolling out those sort of underlying blocks that make up the fuller certification
2: So we have um, four certification designations, and we've launched two full. Uh, designations where you can build through the micro credentials and lead up to the to full blown certification. Um, we're almost finished with our third, and then we'll focus on our last um, certification path. So, kind of how that um, we've also turned the certification into a badge itself. So digitally, those can be shared, mm. uh, you know, via their social media and things like that. Which really, from an installer's perspective, that's really kind of what they want to tout. Um, However, as I mentioned before, we've really been able to kind of um, use these the micro credentials to kind of market the other segments. Um, when you think about um, it, it, as a consumer, that maybe I'm looking for a specific type of layout on my floor. Um, may it be a herringbone layout, and if if the contractor or the um, or even a sales representative is using that digital badge to to show that they are competent in that skill, mm. um, whether they're being selling it or they're able to install it. Um, as a consumer, I can say, oh, yeah, they're they're also a certified installer, but they really know about that Herringbone bill laid out, so maybe I'm going to use that guy because he knows a little bit more about that than this other guy does. Um, so that's kind of how why we did the micro-credentials and how we broke it down is we really did it, kind of um, geared it and modeled it um, so that it was really a Um, a skill set versus just kind of knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think we've done a really good job of branding that um, piece of it too so that they can kind of use it. um, They can use it by itself or they can use it within that full package um, as a
1: marketing tool. Well, I think related to that, I mean are you worried or were you worried at any point about, you know, kind of confusion over what the, the badges signify? You know, if you have some badges that signify sort of these smaller chunks of expertise, like the, that herringbone floor versus, you know, some badges that, that represent the fuller blown certifications, were you at all worried Uh, about that?
2: Yeah, maybe initially, but um, as I mentioned, I think we've done a pretty good job of branding the badges to complement certification, Um, And it it represents just a small piece of the learning. Um, And I can use another example. For example, there's um, an individual badge that might represent the job site preparation. But that badge itself doesn't indicate proficiency in installation as a whole. It just indicates proficiency in one's skill. Um, So from the contractor's perspective, I don't think there's any confusion um, that we've created there. the consumer, I, st- I feel, still think we're, we're doing a lot of work on our end um, to educate the consumer that these even exist, um, and that con- certification is, you know, something that they want to demand in their home. Um, but in terms of us in the marketplace, no, I don't. I don't think we've uh, created any confusion. In fact, I think we've maybe strengthened the certification and what it means. Um, because they have to go to the university and kind of build on these credentials, they kind of feel like, okay, I I really can do this job site prep. Well, I can check this, and I really feel competent in this. Or I can go back to that knowledge, and I can show it to my consumer on the job site and say, okay, this is what I learned. This is why I'm telling you this. These NWFA has certified me in this area, um, and this is why. So I think it's really kind of strengthened it versus – Cost
1: confusion. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm guessing that you probably didn't have um, experience, you know, rolling out a a digital badge offering before you were at NWFA. So how did you go about learning, um, uh, you know, what you need to know in order to, you know, design and develop and and roll out um, the digital badges that NWFA is offering?
2: Yeah, and you're right on. I, this is, this whole process was totally green to me. Um, so I, I attended a lot of webinars, um, you know, read white papers, um, studied other organizational models, um, particularly kind of tried to stick to the association model versus just um, the education model because those right. are kind of two different, um, you know, two different organizational models that kind of they go different directions. One you're kind of selling, and one you're you're kind of earning. In a different way, um, and I think the most helpful kind of through that process was sitting down, whether it be a phone call or uh, at a Tagore's event or somewhere else, just kind of sitting down with whether it be uh, the technology provider or an organization, and kind of just asking questions about their experiences, um, kind of the good, bad, and ugly. What, what did they, <laughs> you know, what was good about it? What was rough? And, and what would they never do again? Um, what what would they learn from? So just, I think that's really kind of how we did it. Um, and again,
1: we kind of have a unique market and and how we
2: did things. So obviously, I learned from others, but we really had to tweak it based on our model.
1: Well, right. And so you know, you just talked about having conversations with with other organizations, especially associations that were um, working with digital badges, talking to technology providers too. So how did you? go through the process of finding the right technology partner for your digital badges? You know, what issues and what criteria wound up being deciding factors for you in picking a partner?
2: For us, we had to start with um, kind of our strategic goals or restructuring um, and how this new path would impact our existing path. And and how, were we going to, um, you know, integrate it with something that had already fixed or were we going to start with something new? Um, because we did kind of a grandfathering concept where we grandfathered our current um, certifications at a level with the new path, we knew that we were going to be automatically issuing uh, thousands of badges um, upon day one of implementation. Um, that was before anybody could earn through the new way. Right. So we knew we had, one, we had a, a large um, number of users, and two, we had a large number of badges that we wanted to issue. Um, So those two elements really played a a large piece in it. Um, Technology providers typically will either provide um, a cost per user or a cost per badge issued. Um, So weighing those two options in terms of us being having to issue to 1,000 people at about 3,000 badges right off the bat was was kind of... uh, probably the biggest deciding factor on what provider we went with. Gotcha. Um, we also kind of thought about, okay, what do we want in the future? Um, how do we want these badges to be integrated with current systems that we're using, uh, whether it be our um, AMS or association management system or LMS or consumer site, um, which is where kind of our badges are displayed from, from a marketing perspective for our, our um, those that have earned them. Um, so how do we want that future model to look, while we may not have the dollars to invest in it now, it's definitely something that's on our roadmap. Um, so that was another kind of piece to the puzzle, too, that we wanted somebody that was capable of doing that, uh, as well as kind of had an easy API to work with. Um, so yeah, those those kind of the, those deciding factors and, and talked through with different um, providers and um, Tegoris has provided a couple of different people that we looked at, um, as well as kind of doing our own research. It's kind of like LMS is like you, it's, it's, there's a ton of them out there. So you really had to hone in, okay, what is your strategic goals with it? And mm. then align that with what, um, what the technology provider, um, provides.
1: Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense to start at that strategic level and work from there. Um, so, you know, if, if an organization is considering digital badges, but they really haven't dug in and, and gotten started in any meaningful way yet, you know, where or how would you recommend that they begin that process?
2: I would start with kind of evaluating um, their current offerings and ask, would digital credentials provide value to our members um, within those current existing structures or without? Um, and if so, how? Um the value proposition is really important and that's something we've learned as we've gone is that you really have to hone in on that value proposition um, for your members to kind of buy into it. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest question you have to, and don't just do it just to do it because it's kind of a trend, but how is your, how are your members going to respond to that and how does that fit into your current offerings? Um, and, and I think the next would be, um, Kind of really again, does it does it start with, do you do you integrate it with it something that's already existing and kind of uh, restructure your learning, or do you just start fresh with something new? And, and digital credentials don't have to go with certifications. It, it, there's a lot of different uses for them. That's just kind of how we we've chose to use them. Um, and once those two things are kind of decided, um, I think you can move forward with a vendor research that kind of aligns with those two goals and how you're going to use it and and. Um, what's the value proposition in those.
1: Well, great. Thanks for that advice. And, um, you know, you, you said when you were talking to folks as you were getting started, you you wanted the good, the bad, the ugly. So uh, I'll, I'll ask now, if you had the chance, you know, to to do over what, you know, up to the point where you are now, you know, is there anything you'd do differently in terms of the design or the development or the rollout uh, of digital badges at, at NWFA?
2: Uh For us, it's been the rollout has kind of been a challenge. We rolled out the university, and that's been extremely successful. But we've kind of we could have done a a much better job with um, rolling out the digital badge portion of of this whole um, new learning. Uh, we proved the statement to be true. You can't teach an old dog new tricks um, in our industry. And we have a lot of um, boomers that have had their certification and have held it for a long time, and they're, and they're really struggling to see the value. And that's kind of where I said value proposition is really important because for us, we really have to show them the importance and to drive in um, the value of these and how they can use it in their market um, to market themselves as a professional to the consumer um, you know, those kind of things. So uh, that has been really key in terms of how we've done it. We're we're working on courses, videos, articles, um, and other marketing strategies to kind of drive that home. But if we would have done that on the front end, we would probably see a larger success rate right off the bat. Um, okay. So rather than doing it kind of proactive, Proactively. No, not doing you're it proactively. Pro-
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so right. So trying to really make sure that the your audience understands the value and it sounds like in your case you at least had some portion of your audience who who probably needed more support than you initially gave. So yeah. you are doing some backfilling there. But
2: Yeah, those that are engaged see value and they understand the impact it can make on their individual businesses and, and growing that. Um as well as the impact it can have on the industry because digital credentials are the key to those are sharing those.
1: Mm. Sharing
2: those on social media, sharing those on their LinkedIn profiles, using them on the websites, using them on their um, you know, email signatures, that's where the value really truly comes in for not only themselves but for the industry as a whole because it creates this awareness of who NWFA is and the demand for certification. Um so when they see that and the light bulb clicks, it's there. But mm we have to do a better job of educating the masses versus just that small segment that says, yay, we're on board. Um, you know, there's still a lot of them that say, I don't understand. Um, so the, the we're working on that. Gotcha. But-
1: well, you know, so, so far we, have been really focused on digital badges and NWFA university, But uh, let's widen the scope for a bit, and um, I just would like to ask, you know, what's going on in learning these days that most excites you? And and I'm going to leave it open. This could be something, um, you know, that might have uh, application or potential application at your organization, or could just be something in general that excites you as an individual lifelong learner.
2: Sure. As I mentioned um, in the introduction, my role has developed into kind of advocating for the wood flooring career path as a whole. in education, especially in trade organizations, um, we're seeing kind of this misconception about trade labor and jobs and careers. Um, parents and schools are pushing students to four-year universities um, where kids are kind of falling through the cracks every day. They're graduating with significant debt mm-hmm. um, and no career options, or they're dropping out and just kind of sitting and figuring out what's next for me. Um, skilled labor organizations and associations – really have to do a better job of advocate, advocating for their specific industry um, and advocating at, at all different levels, not just the, um, the high school counselors or the students, but also their parents and um, the world as a whole has to do a better job of, of how they portray those blue-collar workers. Um, and we as an organization in WFA is working on just those kind of things. We, we're developing a career path that includes educating parents and children about our industry, um, just basics as early as first grade, and then partnering with a number of different organizations to create more touch points and exposure as they move through their elementary, middle school, and high school careers.
1: Well, that sounds really and exciting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. This, this is the part that really gets me pumped up. Like um, We're working, also working on with the Federal Department of Labor to create an apprenticeship program specifically for the wood flooring industry. There's a lot of things out there that are that are, you know, for carpentry and things like that, but there's nothing that's really tailored to our industry. Um, So we're working on that. We're really in the final stages of that. And um, I think what we're seeing as a whole um, from federal to state is we're starting to see light bulbs come on and people are starting to see that our kids are falling through the cracks. And we have a real problem with four universities and, and as a whole, everybody's saying that's where you have to go. But we have to filter that down to our schools and to our guidance counselor's office and to our parents, um, especially as parents. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard my husband, who's a blue-collar guy, say, you don't want to do what I do, son. You, you know, mm-hmm. you want to go to a four-university. But the skilled trade labor can be a very viable and lucrative career option. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to do a better job of, of communicating that to um, our parents and our school systems and, and even the kids, like, they're just not aware either. So that's the part, that's what things that we're doing here at NWFA and what gets me really excited is um, digital badging is it plays a really big key in that too. And in the university, because it exposes us to uh, a new generation of learning. So it kind of gives them a little, um, you know, segue to get into the industry and and minor exposure. And then they can say, Oh yeah, that looks really cool. I want to, I want to do that. So.
1: Well, that's great. It sounds, like I said, really exciting that you're able to sort of focus on a very big picture issue like that and sort of helping people find meaningful and, uh, you know, good paying work. That's a, that's a great thing to be engaged in. And, and so the next to last question I'd like to ask you is is one that we ask everyone that we interview for the Leading Learning Podcast. And that's just about your own approach to your lifelong learning. What, what do you do to sort of help yourself stay stay top of your game in terms of, of learning?
2: Yeah, and I, I know most um, people that you interview say they carve out I mean, you know a specific amount of time each day to read or uh, blogs, books white papers, those kind of things. And I and I do those things and find them successful. But as I mentioned earlier, I really learn from interacting with others. Um, I thoroughly enjoy picking up the phone or sitting down and having those face to face conversations with someone that has already experienced what I'm getting ready to go through and to learn from their like I said before, their good, bad and ugly, what what experiences that they really thought really, really well and, and things that they could they learn from and they would, you know, glean some advice for me. Um, I also enjoy attending conferences and being allowed to reflect and, and kind of ask questions and then create some action items going forward. I'm not saying this just because this is a leading learning podcast, but I've really enjoyed my time at, at your events and to course events and kind of being surrounded by like-minded people um, where you can bounce off ideas and you, they don't give you a furrow brow. They say, oh, yeah, I'm going through that too. Um, let's learn from each other. And that's that's really what's what I've enjoyed kind of, I guess... Maybe surrounding my, myself with people that are smarter than me mm-hmm. helps me be smarter <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of true true learning and education for me happen when you become a willing and active participant and and that's kind of how I pursue it
1: Well, uh, amen I, I think that that peer learning uh, just is, is always can be so richly re- rewarding just because you, you do have that ability to talk and learn from others who are going through or have gone through very similar uh, experiences. Right. So last question for you. Just if, if listeners would like to know more, where would you have them go?
2: Uh, they can go to our website at nwfa.org, and then there's an NWFA University tab they can click on to get more information about our programs. Um, or they can email me at my email at stephanie with a O W E N at nwfa.org. I'd be happy to talk to people again, share my good, bad, and ugly. Um, and what we've learned through the process.
1: Well, great! Thank you so much for taking time to share today, Stephanie. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you.
0: That wraps up our interview with Stephanie Owen. As we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to Castle, a full-service certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. You can find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions at leadinglearning.com/castle. And we also want to mention again that recordings from Learning Technology Design, or LTD, our virtual conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, are now available. You can get all the details and sign up for those at ltd.leadinglearning.com. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com
1: slash episode 81. And while you're there, you will see the various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful
0: if you would subscribe. We would also be truly grateful if you'd take a minute, just a minute, to give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can get right to where you need to go by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And of course, we like to know that you're getting value out of the podcast. And when you put a review there, it makes it much easier for others to find Leading Learning if they're searching for high-value content about the business of lifelong learning.
1: We also hope that you will consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and spread the good word that way.
0: So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.